Let's start our sermon today with prayer. <clears throat> we pray, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Now, please bless us as we study your word. Equip us and fill us with faith in our own hearts and equip us and motivate us uh, to, to share your word with other people in our lives. Bless our sermon time today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Jesus. If there was a theme from our different uh, readings today, the theme was God's word has power. Right? It's not just words. God's word has power. It has real, extraordinary power. And to illustrate that, when you think about this, do you, do you remember when, when Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That word power that Paul uses is the Greek word that our English word dynamite comes from. Like explosive power. God's word has game-changing power. Enough power to grab a heart that is frozen stiff in sin, like, like we're all born with, right? And warm that heart to faith and to spiritual life. God's word has power. So, it makes sense that we want to get God's word in front of as many people as possible. So let us brainstorm a few ideas of how we could do that. What if we buy a big white van and we get maybe like a Sharpie and just write Bible passages all over it? Then we could put like a speaker on top of the van, crank up the volume as loud as possible, um, and we could play through that speaker like a recording of the entire King James Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation. We turn it up super loud so that anyone within a mile can definitely hear it. And then what if we slow roll through some Atlanta neighborhoods just blasting the Word of God? What do you think? Bible van? Good idea? I'm sensing, I'm sensing skepticism. I don't know. Let me, let's try another one. Let's try another one. What if, what if we bought a helicopter? The budget line would be a little bit different, but how about, we, how about we rent a helicopter and we fill it up with boxes and boxes of Bibles? I think for this one, maybe soft cover Bibles would be key. And then we fly the helicopter over a community festival like the Candler Park Fest, and then we maybe have a couple volunteers up there with maybe like people that play softball or have a good arm, and we just throw Bibles down on top of people like all throughout the crowd. I mean, we would be able to quite literally impact a lot of people with God's Word. And God's Word is powerful, right? We put it right in people's hands. What do you think? Bible helicopter? Yeah. Right. Love it. All right, I'll look at the budget. We'll talk. Um, but I am sensing skepticism. Of course, I'm being a little bit ridiculous here uh, in order to make a point. Yes, God's Word has power. Yes, we want to get it in front of people. But I don't think we're going to do either one of these things that I just listed. The Bible van, the Bible helicopter. And that's because these are not culturally appropriate ways of communicating a message. It's not okay to blast speakers right in somebody's neighborhood about anything. It's not okay to throw any kind of a book at somebody's head out of a helicopter, let alone a Bible. You know, so we might have something very important to say, but if this is the way that we are distributing that message, people are not going to listen to it. All right, I've got one more idea for you. How about we hold a worship service? 
where God's word is proclaimed and God's praises are sung. And we post the service times on our website. We paint a big church logo on the side of our building. And whoever wants to come can come. Occasionally, some neighbors show up to church. And when they do, we are overjoyed because now they get to hear the powerful word of God. A lot of times, when no neighbors come, we are left to mourn the sad state of our culture. What a terrible world we live in, where people don't even want to go to church anymore. And now, they're never going to get to hear the powerful word of God. What do you think about that approach? It's not as extreme as the Bible van or the Bible helicopter, but in fact, it is still problematic, because that approach assumes that in order for a person to hear God's powerful word, they first need to come to church. But there's a problem, right? And the problem is that for many people in our world today, coming to church is no longer a culturally acceptable thing. So if you'll indulge me, I'd like to illustrate this with with a story. Um, This is a picture of a bridge that is now famous for reasons that I will shortly explain. This is called the Choluteca Bridge. It was built in in Honduras in the 1990s using the very latest in bridge building technology. It was a great bridge. I think it was on all their brochures. Uh, The the newest state-of-the-art bridge. Just months after this bridge was completed, a terrible storm hit the country of Honduras. The storm was Hurricane Mitch. And Hurricane Mitch caused flooding and landslides and widespread devastation. I think 7,000 people died as a result, especially from the flooding. And something like 75,000 homes were damaged. And when the hurricane was finally over and the floodwaters receded, the citizens of Choluteca saw an unusual sight. And it looked like this. So, do you notice anything strange about this picture? The, first of all, the bridge is still standing. Literally everything else has been wiped, across the, wiped out across the landscape. The bridge is still there. What more could you ask from a bridge, right? It survived a literal hurricane. This should be on the front page of every bridge magazine in the world. I don't know if there's bridge magazines. It's a great bridge. But there also is a slight problem. What's the problem? Well, there's nobody there. Also, it's not going over the water. So when they built it, it was over the water. But this was such a devastating hurricane that literally Hurricane Mitch changed the course of the river so that it flows a different direction. So now you have this beautiful bridge, but it doesn't serve any purpose. It is literally a bridge to nowhere. So this bridge can be used as a metaphor for the Christian church in America, in American culture. You just think about this. A couple hundred years ago, like immigrants are pouring into America from Europe, and everywhere they go, every village that they build, one of the first buildings they make is a church. And even like 40 to 50 years ago, when people moved to a different city, when they moved to a different part of the country, they moved to a new community, one of the first things they did is they tried to find a church to join. And that is because, in general, church was viewed as a positive thing, an obviously good and beneficial influence in society. But over the last few decades, the mindset of our culture has changed. And it would take way longer than we have in this sermon to explore the many different reasons why, the cultural shifts that have happened. But we've now got a situation, I think this was two weeks ago, where we talked about different groups of people that had been polled about why don't you go to church. And there's all different reasons. 
There's people who are kind of disengaged from church. There's people who are actively opposed towards church. There's a very big group of people who are just kind of happy now without church. And so what's happened in American culture over the space of a few short decades is the river has moved. The landscape has shifted to the point that now, to a significant number of people in society, the Christian church looks a lot like this bridge. It is beautiful, it is still standing, but it doesn't serve any purpose for me. Now, we know this is not true, we know God's word applies to everyone, but this is how culture looks at it. Like, organized religion, beautiful, cool, historic, doesn't apply to me. Do you see then the problem with an assumption that in order for a person to hear God's word, they have to first come to church? If church is the only place where we proclaim the gospel, then many of the people who need to learn about Jesus the most are never going to hear it. And that's why now more than ever before, it's imperative for Christians to not only gather around God's word in church, but also to bring God's word out into our neighborhoods and into our lives. So with all of this context in mind, like this is our cultural context that we are in. It's a de-churched culture. Let's now look at the words of our sermon text today, our third reading from Romans chapter 10. The Apostle Paul says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how could they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And then finally this verse, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So I love these verses from Romans chapter 10 because they're so direct and they are so to the point. Um, there are things that we know about everyone in the world, right? We know that every single person in this world is born in sin and born in need of forgiveness from God. We know that for every single person in the world, God has provided forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how could a person believe in Jesus if they haven't heard about him? And how are they going to hear about him unless someone talks about him? And how is someone going to go talk about him unless they are encouraged? Go. Right? And so this is what God does for us in these passages. He simply says to us, go. Yes, you, my dear child with faith in your heart, part of my family, God says, now I want you to go and share the gospel with your neighbor so that he can have faith in his heart too. God says, go. Meanwhile, the devil is saying, don't go. <laughs> the devil doesn't want people to know that God loves them. And so the devil wants to find every way he can to keep us from talking about our faith or talking about Jesus. And the devil wants us to embrace any kind of excuse that we could think of. What if my neighbor laughs at me? What if my neighbor gets mad at me? What if my neighbor asks me a question that I don't know how to answer? Are you sure that people can't just come to church and hear about God's word from somebody else? Why does this have to be my job? But well, we've talked about this in sermons throughout the series. You remember that metaphor of the grown-up 
playing soccer with a bunch of little kids, and a grown-up could easily score the goal, but he wants the kids to experience the joy of being involved. Jesus has a mission of sharing his gospel to the world, but he wants us to experience the joy of being involved. Jesus wants you to help other people learn about God's love. Because after all, Jesus used other people to help you learn about God's love. Didn't he? And you think about who some of those people were. Think about maybe in some cases your parents who baptized you and taught you about Jesus and said prayers with you at night and read Bible stories to you as you were growing up. Think in other cases about your teachers or your coaches or your mentors or people in your life who talked about their faith and shared with you how important it was to them. Think about maybe the neighbor or the coworker, the family member, the friend who invited you to church or to come to Bible study. But if you trace it back, all of our stories involve other people that God used to share Jesus' love with us. So now, God wants to use us to share Jesus' love with others. So, we've been in this sermon series for, I think it's four weeks, and maybe by now you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. God wants me to go tell people about Jesus' love. Message received. It's not a super hard concept to understand. God wants me to share my faith. But it's a hard thing to follow through on and actually do. And why is that? I wonder if it's because when it comes to sharing our faith, we have no issue with the what. We have no issue with the why. Of course, everybody needs to hear about God's love. But what we have an issue with is the how. How can I talk about my faith without it feeling awkward and uncomfortable? How can I talk about my faith without it destroying my relationships? <laughs> or just how can I talk about my faith in a way that feels natural and normal and, and that feels like me? As we struggle with that, as we think about that, I think it is helpful if we recognize a key detail about God's word. So again, circling back to the beginning, the, the theme of our readings today is God's word has power, right? God says, my word is never going to return to me empty. It's always going to accomplish my purpose. God says, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word about Christ. Uh, the, the gospel of Jesus is the power of God, like that word for dynamite, for creating faith and salvation for everyone who believes. God's word is super powerful. How can we get it to people? But as we think about this, in what form does God's word have to be shared in order for it to work? Does God's word work if someone reads the Bible? Of course it does. Does God's word work when someone hears a Bible verse? Of course it does. Does God's word work if you summarize a Bible point in your own words? Of course it does. And does God's word work when you simply describe in your own words what Jesus means for your heart? Yes, it does. So, like, maybe we underestimate how simple this could be. A friend asks you, why do you go to church? And you say, I don't know, church is about forgiveness. I feel like everybody needs forgiveness in their life. Or a friend asks you, Man, you have been through a lot this year. Like, your family has been through a lot. How do you make it through all of this? How do you handle it so well? And you say, well, I don't know that I'm really handling that well. 
But I do know that my faith in God is an important part of this. I know God is with me, and he's, he's never going to let me go. As you say something like that, you're not quoting a Bible verse. You're not saying every last thing that there is to be said about the teachings of Christianity. What you are doing is giving people a view of God, a positive one, about his love and forgiveness that maybe they haven't heard before or thought about in a long time. You are sharing the word about Christ in your own words. And God works through your words, just like he works through the words that are written down in the Bible. When you explain your faith in your own words, that never returns empty. God's word and God's power comes through the own expression of your own heart in the way that you would phrase it for your own life. Does that make sense? Like a 10-second explanation of why Jesus is important to you is God's word, and it's God's power. So the goal then starts to become, all right, maybe this is simpler than we think. How could I simply speak the words about what God has done for me in a way where people are listening, in a setting where people are listening? and probably slow-rolling a Bible van with Bible passages all over it, blasting God's word into a neighborhood, is a good way to get the police called on you. And probably flying a helicopter over a festival and hurling Bibles down at people is a good way to give somebody a black eye. But giving a 15-second answer to someone's question about why you go to church, especially when they've asked you why you go to church, is a pretty tough thing to beat. Um, it's pretty hard to be judged and have a problem in that relationship when you share your faith in that way. And so you just think of the impact that this could end up making when it starts small. You think of what this could look like in somebody's life. So this is, this is our last thing today. Imagine that you're talking to your neighbor. I don't know, you're barbecuing your ribs on the grill and you're, you're talking over the fence. And your neighbor asks you, how come you guys go to church? And so you think about it and you give them a 30-second long answer about grace and forgiveness and you move on with your day. But it sticks with them because just the way that you've kind of talked about God is different than how they've heard it before. Later on, you're playing beanbags in the front yard, you're challenging your neighbor, um, you're winning, then he's winning, asks you something else about your faith or your church, and you give like a 10-second long response. But again, just the tone is different. The way that you're talking about God is different than how your neighbor has maybe heard it before. Then, at some point, your neighbor comes to a church event. Maybe it's the ladies' wine night. Maybe it's the Christmas store. And at that event, they meet some other Christians who, first of all, are relatively normal people, or maybe as normal as you could be. And secondly, they all just seem to share this positive view of God, this grace-filled view of God that is different than what your neighbor has experienced before. Maybe at that event, they hear that the church offers this class called Bible Basics class where you could study more deeply this positive view of God. And so the person decides to, to go ahead and study God's word in Bible Basics class. And now, after a deep immersion in God's word, this person begins coming to worship on a consistent basis. Maybe they get baptized. Maybe they join the church. What's happened is that God is growing faith in their heart. But where did it start? It started with that 30 seconds while you were grilling ribs and you just talked about God in a different way than they have ever thought of God before. And in that conversation, in your own words, God's power was at work, planting seeds of faith in your neighbor's heart.
So you think through this pathway, and this is not a hypothetical pathway. Like, this is the faith story of countless different people that are in our church. I mean, you know who you are, and you know how your story has gone, but consistently, in a world where going to church is no longer a cultural norm, God uses his people to simply talk about him and plant seeds of faith that gradually are watered and grow and end up producing bigger results than anybody could ever have imagined. And so God's word is powerful, and he finds ways to share it. Even in a de-churched world, God sends his gospel message into schools and neighborhoods and workplaces, and he sends it through you. May God give you confidence, and may God give you excitement as you think about sharing his word in your own words and the incredible power that is at work as God pours his love through you into your neighbors. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus your Savior. Amen.